look at in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. This is why I entitled this series, first and foremost, that it is for Christians only. For Christians only. Why? How are you saved? If you're a child of God today, how are you saved? By grace, through faith. And it is not your faith. It is a faith that literally comes from God. God grants it to you. When we think about saving faith, we think about, I at this point in my life became what? I believed. I accepted. I received. Whatever the terminology that you like to throw out. And yet what you will find is, is that God chose you. God saved you. And God gave you the faith to be saved. Okay? Listen, if you heard, if you got saved anywhere from except from the preaching of the gospel, you're probably not saved. Because his comment in the holy book is that they will hear through preaching to be saved. To be saved. This verse these verses that we just looked at, Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10, We've heard. We've heard them over and over. We've probably used them if we've ever saved, shared our faith. We've, I, it is known by Christendom. For by faith you have been saved. For by faith you have been saved. And it's not of your own. It is a gift from God. I got saved by grace. God's grace. Uh, I even mentioned this in our Bible study this morning in, a, in the Sunday school hour. That when people tell you that your salvation has no cost to it because it is a free gift from God, please understand that that is a lie. Jesus himself said to enter into the kingdom is like a pearl of great price. I'm willing to sell everything to possess it. Paul says that we are not our own. We have been bought and we have been paid for with a price. We've been looking at the book of 1 Corinthians. I call it practical holiness. Practical holiness. But it's personal in its holiness. And what happens sometimes is you go through, we're in chapter 11, and you say, well, it says I'm supposed to be of the same mind. It says I'm supposed to be of the same judgment. I'm not to be causing divisions. And, you know, and I got to be watch out for immorality. You know, and if I'm single, I need to do this. If I'm married, I need to do this. And the woman is made for man. And man is, you know, and all of those things you rip through there. And I watch Christians, they grab the Bible, they take off with the Bible, and they become these... such irritable creatures. And it happens over and over and over and over and over again. And here's the reason. Paul, to the letter to the Galatians, said, what you have begun in the Spirit, you are now perfecting in your flesh. Let me ask you a question. I want you to think about this for a second. I watch people who take the Word of God And literally, 
take it and try to mold themselves into the image of Christ. Okay? Ain't that what you're supposed to do? Is it? The preacher keeps telling me I'm supposed to read my Bible, so every morning I do what? Read my Bible. The preacher tells me I'm supposed to pray without ceasing. Okay, so I'm going to try to pray without ceasing. I'll write a little notebook and a prayer notebook and a journal and whatever I'm going to do. And I'll do all them things, okay? I'm supposed to do those things. That's why. Because the preacher told me, and he showed me a verse somewhere. I don't remember where it was, but he showed it to me that I'm supposed to be doing those things. You know what he also told me? He says, I can't forsake the assembly together. He says, I've got to be in church. If I'm not in church, gee, many crickets, you know what? I'm going to be in trouble, and God's just going to spank me. There'll be a lightning, and every time a little thundercloud comes around, I'm going to be in trouble. Okay? And you ever run into them people? Aren't they a joy? Aren't they a joy? I want you to look at something here in verse 10. You have been saved, it says. Now listen, if you go out of here frustrated, then you perhaps are not saved. This is for Christians only. All right, you have been saved. Why? You are His workmanship. Did you get that? If you look at your outline, you'll say, I have two points. What he does and what we do. Right? Two points. It's not complicated. Whose workmanship is it? What do you have to do with it? You know what? I have people who will literally say, well, I'm supposed to believe. My Bible says you have no ability. You have no ability. Look what it says. For grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. The faith that saved you is not the faith that you can generate. And yet it says that I was created for His workmanship. I am His workmanship. Whose workmanship? His workmanship. You know what that means? It ain't your workmanship. It's not you, people. It is God's workmanship. Look what he says. I was created in Christ Jesus. You get that? You understand what he just said there? It's not you. It is Christ Jesus. And it says you were created in Christ Jesus for a purpose. And that purpose, because you are his workmanship, is what? Good works. You know what's really cool about the good works in that verse? Which God prepared beforehand so that you would walk in them. What did God do? He saved you. He gave you faith that you would believe. You didn't have the ability to do that. Why? He says, I want to show you grace. Grace, unmerited favor. We believe that's unmerited favor. The faith that you had to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that point of salvation, do you understand that it's not yours? You had not the ability? Because if you had the ability to receive the information and believe on your own, then Christ did not need to die for you. And that's not what the Bible teaches. Not only that, he says, I have created you so that you'll have good works. That you will have deeds that are representative of the kingdom of heaven. They will be a manifestation of who? Christ Jesus. 
Who did that? God did that. God did that. Okay? Because, see, look at verse 11 just for a moment. I'm not going to dwell on this verse 11. He says, therefore. You know what therefore is for, right? Summarize. Let me summarize it. Therefore. Okay? Remember that formerly you were the Gentiles in the flesh. Okay? Paul says, remember where you were. Huh? Have you ever ever seen people that are like that? They get saved and they become these intolerant, pious people. And they never remember where they came from. Do they understand how useless they were? Do they understand how blackened their hearts were? Oh, mine wasn't that bad. Really? That's the blindness that is spoken of in John's gospel to the Pharisees. In gospel chapter 9, where he healed the blind man. And they asked him who sinned, the, the parents or the man. And God said, neither. Neither. He was born blind so that my power would be manifest here. You ever thought about that? Do you ever think that you have an infirmity or an affliction only so that God's power, so God can show off? God can show off. Now I want you to think about that. What, those t- verses right there. Do you remember where you were? Do you remember how you got saved? And what part did you have in it? Okay, now ask yourself a question. Here I am saved. I'm sitting here to save today. I'm having a good time. I'm saved today. For Christians only, this is a message for me. It's saved for me and I'm having a good time of it. Okay, let me ask you a question. What good works have you done? I'll use the term that we like to use. What good deeds have you done? Okay. Just that's just a question. Because yeah, 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 I know you guys. Those of you who've known me long enough says he's always got one and he always holds it back because he asked that one, so he just sets you up. That's true. Why? What good deeds have you done? And then my next question is: Was it a manifestation of Christ? Because if it was a manifestation of Christ, who gets credit for it? Listen, if my name is Bill Gates, and I believe that the people of New Orleans need at least a million dollars, that is not difficult. I can write that check without any problem. Is that a good deed? Is that a good work? Absolutely. Absolutely. Who does it manifest? Who does it manifest? I mean, if you, if you cook a meal for a, a person who needs a, this, or you go and pick somebody up who needs a ride, uh, somebody might be hungry, or you grab a bag of diapers and, and you take it to somebody who needs some diapers, or you send a card to somebody just because they need a card, is that a good deed? Who does it manifest? Okay, I want to back you up for a second to this letter. Okay, chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Remember what he said in verse 11. Remember where you were. You were Gentiles. Okay, why? Because you have been saved 
by grace, through faith, not of yourself. You are God's workmanship in Christ unto good deeds that God has already prepared. For who? Those who have been saved. Okay. Now I want to show you something. Now listen, you've got, you who have been a part of my ministry for any length of time will hear me make a statement. And I've watched people just get, anyway. One thing a child of God has ever been called to grow in. One thing. What is it? Faith. Faith. That's it. That's it. I don't need to memorize the Bible. Really? How are you going to grow in your faith? Okay. What are you trusting in? All right. But if I'm going to grow in my faith, then there's some things that I probably ought to need. I need to know. Look at verse three. Blessed be God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Now I want you to zero in on this next phrase. All right. Because I'm going to ask you a question as soon as I get done with this. Who? Who would that be? God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Is that what it says? No, it says every spiritual blessing. Okay, let me ask you a question. If I read that verse... What is lacking in a Christian? What's lacking? Don't I need to go to seminary? Bible college? Don't I? What did he say? You have been blessed with almost everything you're ever going to need. Okay? Because everyone knows what the prophet said. God helps those who help himself. That'd be the Apostle Ben Franklin. Okay? Have you been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies? Is that what it says? Let me ask you a question. Does your life manifest that? Is that seen? Do you ever think about what he just says there? You have been blessed. Okay, you know, the word blessed literally means you have been made happy. You've been made happy with what? Everything that is spiritual in the heavenlies. Which one is lacking? None of them. How amazing is this guy's grace? I've been blessed with everything. Look what he says next. Just as he chose us in him, when? Have you ever heard that? I got saved on February the 28th, uh, 1983, uh, right after the Oakland Raiders beat the Washington Redskins. <laughs> I mean, this is how spiritual your pastor is. I remember when I was broken into salvation because it was the last time the AFC won the Super Bowl. Okay, until the Broncos and a few other things. But all I can remember, there's this great drought in the AFC. And the la- I got saved when the Raiders won. And I was just sitting there going, that's a heck of a way to remember the year of your salvation. Okay? That's not true. This text says, 
You were saved before the foundations of the world. You know what that means? You know where Genesis 1-1, in the beginning was, okay, in, in the beginning, and God did all that stuff? You know that? You got saved before that. Do you know that you got saved before there was a, such a thing as time? Do you know you got saved before there was a time as space, matter, power? You got saved before that. You got saved before that. Let me ask you a question. you believe that? Let's move through this. The foundations of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined. I know we don't like these, but he predestined us as adoption of sons through Jesus Christ himself, according to the kind intentions of his will, to the praise of the glory of his what? To the glory of his grace, which he what? Okay, pay attention to what he says there on us. Who is us? Verse 1 says, the saints who are in Ephesus, the holy ones in Ephesus, the called out ones in Ephesus. These are for believers. Okay, he predestined believers as adoptions. To adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ, verse 5 says, according to the kind intention of his will. What's his will? What is Jesus' will for you? Adoption as sons. To the praise and glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. Who is the beloved? That is Jesus Christ. Do you understand what I'm trying to get at here? Every blessing in the heavenlies. Adoption as sons, chosen before existence existed. In it all, we sing, it's amazing grace. Amazing grace? I don't have a word for it. But see what I'm saying? This is for Christians. This is for Christians. You have been given every blessing in the heavenlies. Did you hear what he just said? It isn't to the degree of spiritual maturity that you have. It isn't whether you're a pastor or laity. It isn't whether you are an elder or a Sunday school teacher. All I do is take care of the nursery or all I do is this. I just clean the church. No, you have been blessed with what? Every single blessing in the heavenlies. Okay, verse 7 says, in him we have redemption. You know what? That's the coolest word that I've ever stumbled into. One of the coolest. It literally means you've been bought off the slave block. You were at the slave market and you were standing there. And how much do I bid for this piece of work? Jesus says, I want it. You have been redeemed through the His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Now look what he says next. According to the riches of his what? His grace. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Just briefly in what I've shown you, what is the riches of his grace?
kind of mind-boggling, isn't it? I mean, he only chose me before he spoke creation into being. That's when I got saved. That's when I got saved. My problem was I just didn't believe it until I had that little episode in 1983. But it doesn't negate it in any way whatsoever. When were you saved? What does your Bible say? Before he laid a foundation, before he, did you know he created time? Have you ever really thought about what that means? I tried once. I mean, I've, I, you know, I've heard people say, you know, I, I want to philosophize and I want to get spiritual. And my thing is, is here's one for you. Chew on this. God is patient, but he's not bound by time. And patience is directly related to time. How does that work? I don't know how that works. Because it's a little confusing for me because then it dawned on me, he made time. And you just, okay, there you go. All right? And people say, well, I struggle. I think the universe is 62 billion or whatever we've decided it is. And I said, well, it might have been, but he made it. (laughs) And he made it in his time. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? This is for Christians only. What he does is based on the riches of his Grace. Grace. Do you see why Paul was a little ticked off when he wrote the Galatians? What you have begun in the spirit, you are now perfecting in the flesh. Do you understand why it would just really make him mad? Do you understand um, on Sunday nights we're reasoning through Romans? Do you understand um, some of you have been through the precept study of Romans? Uh, I know I've taught the book of Romans a whole bunch of times. Do you understand that when you get to Romans 6 and it says you have been buried with him in the baptism of his death to be raised to walk in the newness of life? Okay? Don't present your bodies as members of sin anymore. Why? Because his grace is so massive. His grace is so powerful. His grace is so overwhelming that he said, I'm only going to give you every spiritual blessing that exists in the heavenlies. And what do we do? Do you understand now why it says, if you worry, it's a sin? Do you understand that? Look at verse 15 of chapter 1. Because here... Paul goes through these first 14 verses and it just freaks him out. I mean, he just wrote it, but when he just thinks about it, he goes, wow. And so all he can do is break out with praise and thanksgiving to God. Okay. Remember, he was almost three years in the church in Ephesus. He founded the church. He put in a position the pastors. He's dealing with this church. He loves this church. And he says, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which exists among you. What did he just say? The faith that exists in you from where? How, what did I tell you we were supposed to grow in? 
Faith. Where do you get that? Jesus. Okay, let's keep cruising. Which exists amongst and your love for all the saints. Then here's what he says. Do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. Okay? Now I want to show you what he prays for. Okay? Here, this is good stuff right here now. Have you ever, ever wondered why the preacher or the Sunday school teacher says you need to read your Bible? You ever wondered that? I'm just telling you. That's all they, they, they read the Bible. I don't let them read the Bible. I can't believe it. Okay? And you get paid. You read the Bible. Then tell me what it says. All right? I, saw, I know people like it. I used to carry a Bible. Years and years and years I carried a Bible before I ever got saved. Why? I thought it was like a rabbit's foot. Okay? It's a good luck charm. If something happens, I got a Bible. I don't know. Maybe it'll stop a bullet or something. Okay? Look what he says next. That God, this is how he's praying. That the God and Lord of our, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Where? You can literally translate that in an intimate relationship of him. An intimate relationship of him. If I'm going to grow my faith, how am I going to do it? Paul says here that you will receive wisdom. I pray that God will give you wisdom and reveal to you what? In the knowledge of him. If I was going to go get to know Jesus Christ, how would I do that? Be careful how you answer. Be real careful how you answer. Okay? Think about it for a second. Where is Jesus manifested? If I wanted to see Jesus, where would I see him? In his body. Where would that be? Bummer, huh? I hate it when he does that kind of stuff. Why? I see too many churches today who believe that the body exists to reach the lost. That's not what the body, that's not what the church is for. Did you know that? That's a what? You're Southern Baptist. How can you say that? You reach the lost. We Come together to lift Christ, His Word, praise, thanksgiving, and exaltation unto Him. Why? So that I will strengthen you and you will strengthen me for the work of what? You know what? Maybe part of the problem in the church is it just needs to get saved. But that is part of what we do. Why? Because of what he has done. The manifestation of Jesus Christ is the bride of Christ. We witnessed it yesterday in a temporal sense. Matt and Shannon became one. Where did that idea come from? 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ and his bride are one. You cannot separate Jesus from the church. You cannot separate Jesus from the word. Yes, I know what sometimes the church looks like. It still doesn't say, well, I'm separating from it. You can't. It is impossible. Absolutely, utterly impossible. Why? By grace you have been saved according to the riches of his grace. And where does that exist? That it is manifested and that it is seen. The church. You know where hospitals came from? The church. You know where the Red Cross came from? The church. Do you know where higher education came from? What you call colleges? The church. Because God said, here is my grace. And the people of God did what? Manifested the person of Jesus Christ. Now let me ask you a question. Has God changed? No. What's he doing? You know, one of the things that drives me crazy. Romans 18. Or not Romans 18. Yeah, if you can find Romans 18, repent. Matthew 18 says, I will build my ecclesia and the gates of Hades, the abode of the dead, shall not stop it. Why? Because I'm doing something that is according to the riches of my grace. My grace. This is my grace. My grace is so massive, it will overwhelm humanity. That's what he's saying. Okay, look at verse 17. How am I going to do that? Because he's going to give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Now now watch what happens with God's grace. Remember, I'm still dealing with what he does. What he does. Look what he says next. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened, may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance to the working of the strength of his might. You know what that is? Still comes out of the according to the riches of his grace. He's going to do these things. What things with that? I am going to give you wisdom. I am going to give you revelation. It will always come from who? The knowledge of him. Okay? I pray that the eyes of your hearts are opened. I pray that you see this, that the light comes on. It's one of those, like the Ford better idea. Bing! Uh, yeah. Cool. Where are you going to get that? Do you believe that you can have this if you read your Bible when you read it with the preacher? Do you believe you can have that if you forsake the assembly together? You believe you can have that and not be in prayer? It's impossible. It's impossible. Why? This is his will. This is his will. Go over to chapter 3 real quick. Chapter 3, verse 14. Okay, do you see what I've shown you? Okay, I want to show you something else. I'm still dealing with His grace. What does He do through His grace? According to the riches of His grace. Okay, chapter 3, 
Um, we'll just do 14 through. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I preached this text and it took me uh, about 11, 12 weeks. But I want to go through this. For this reason, what reason? One he just went through. He's talking about the oneness that he has. Paul makes a statement there. He says, I am a minister according to the gift of God has given me according to his working, to the working of his power. Why? So that the manifold, verse 10 says, so the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church, through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Did you get that? Did you, did you read that again? Read that again. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 freaks me out. And to be honest with you, I can tell you what it does. I can give you the grammatical. I can give you the syntax. I can give you the historical. And I still ain't got a clue what it really means. Okay, look what he says. The manifold wisdom. When you see manifold, think of the multicolor. Manifold is, if you know about anything about a car, you have eight cylinders. You have four on each side. They all come into one pipe, and that is the manifold. And it goes into one pipe, comes out your exhaust pipe. Call that the manifold. So it's literally saying all the multiple colors of the wisdom of God are coming together at one point so it would be manifest, so it can be seen. We want this thing seen. I want to see the manifold wisdom seen. Look what he says there. The manifold wisdom of God might be made known. That's cool. Let me show all of the wisdom of God. That's what he's saying. All the wisdom of God, and it will be made known where? Now, if that freaks you out, read the rest of it. Okay? Be made known through the church to who? To the rulers and the authorities where? Check it out. Who are the rulers and the authorities in the heavens? The angelic host, cherub, seraphim, and all them other things. Do you think, think about what you just got said right there? We sing amazing grace. Okay? Remember what he said in chapter 1, that you would have your hearts open. You would understand the revealing of God. You would understand this wisdom. Why? Because he's already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, right? Why? So that the church would manifest the fullness of God's wisdom to who? Now, wait a minute. Ain't they up there with him? Aren't they? I mean, that's why I thought that the angels were all kind of hanging around singing. You know, hallelujah with angelic voices and all that other stuff. Whatever they're doing, they're just, you know, happy, happy, joy, joy. Right? But do you understand that the angelic hosts have no comprehension of what salvation is? Nor that the power of God. Do you understand the angels were there when he was flinging stars? Universes, galaxies. Ding, 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 ding. Well, did you see that one over where he did? <laughs> you know, that's what they're doing. The angels are sitting, oh, man, that thing over there is cool. Okay, did you see that? He just spoke and pfft, there it was. All right, do you understand that? But yet when it comes to the redeeming of a sinner, the angels look at it and go, how powerful is our God? They were there at the creation event and it doesn't even comprehend how in the world did he redeem them? 
How in the world did he take a blind, naked, depraved people and literally make them holy and blameless before him? How did he do that? And that manifestation is done where? Through the church. For that reason, I bow my knee, Paul says. Well, that'd be a good reason, Paul. Hallelujah. Let's all line up and bow. Let's get, I'm going to go out and borrow some knees to bow. Because I'm still trying to grasp that. Remember what I'm talking about here. Grace. This is grace for life. Look what he does next. Every family on the heaven and earth derives its name. Okay, here's his prayer. He would grant to you according to the riches of his glory. Think about that phrase for a second. Not out of the riches of his glory. It is according to the riches of his glory. Big, 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 huge difference. Okay, out of means that my name's Bill Gates and I just bought you dinner and you feel blessed. Okay, according to the riches of Bill Gates' glory, I have just made you a joint heir and everything I have is yours. Big difference, huh? Huge difference. He's saying that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory. What? Grab this. I want you strengthened. I want you to be really strong. I want you to be with the power through his spirit. I want you to be so powerful that it starts where? In the inner man. It gets in there and it ferments. It gets in there and it gets strengthened and it gets bigger and huger and greater and greater and greater and it comes out and everybody looks at it and goes, whoa, and the angelic hosts who are in heaven are going, dude. I don't know if angels say that. Okay, I don't think angels say dude. But I do know that they long to understand it and it is a manifestation of the fullness of God's wisdom before the angelic host. And I'm not sure what all that means. But I know the angels are all sitting around going, whoa. Okay? Look what he says next. I want you to have this in the inner man. Why? That Christ may dwell in your hearts. How? What are you supposed to grow in, people? And yet he gives you grace that you may grow in that faith so that Christ, it says dwell, that literally means at home. That means at home, he is at ease in the inner man. He is at peace in the inner man. There's not little things in there that are annoying to him. So that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith and you would be rooted and grounded in love. Rooted, I like that. Rooted means that it's taken a great big deep place and it's being fed from something that is not seen so that it is grounded. You can't get rid of it. It's sort of like a yucca. You can't get rid of it. You can cut the top off of it and that gone thing will grow back within a year. May be able to comprehend. Watch this one. Because if I have Christ in me and my faith is so solid that I am rooted, I am taking the nourishment for my faith from a source that is not seen because I am grounded in love and I will be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth. And to know the love of Christ. Look what he says next. I love this part, which surpasses knowledge. In the inner man, 
I want God in the Spirit to do so much in you that you can know that that can't be known. You can't understand it. It surpasses knowledge. I want you to know that. Why? Because the church is the manifestation of God's wisdom to the angelic host. Let me ask you a question. What are you lacking? What are the children of God lacking? Well, I don't have no resources or I don't... Really? What are you lacking? Read on. Read on. When I understand that knowledge, verse 18 says, that you will be filled with the fullness of God. <laughs> oh, gee, many crickets. And you know, I, I love it when people tell me, do you know the Bible doesn't teach the Trinity? There's no such thing. Really? I thought it was the Holy Spirit and the inner man was going to let me know how Jesus loved me so I'd be full as God. Seems pretty straightforward to me. Okay, anyway, here's what he says. You will only be able to be full as God. You will be the fullness of God. Why? Because remember what he said, that the church would be what? The manifestation of God's wisdom to the angelic host, to the the rulers and authorities that are in the heavenlies. I don't know all that stuff. I haven't seen an angel. Okay, and I'm not sure I want to. Okay, if you take just what I've given you, you have to say, whoa, you have to say, it almost seems blasphemous to sing Amazing Grace. It really doesn't cover it, does it? To think, to get saved, I didn't have the faith, but he gave me that. To think. That at the same moment that he gave me that, he says, oh, by the way, you have every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Oh, by the way, your heart will be enlightened and you will be able to understand who God is in Christ. You will understand all of this. It will only grow and it will grow in such a way that all the manifestation of God's wisdom will be literally seen in a group of people who used to be blind, naked and depraved, not seeking after God. And yet it will be manifested in them and the angels in the heavenlies will be going, wow. Why would you work so hard at that? Because you can't do that. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care what you're capable of. You can go knock yourself out, become the prayer warrior Bible study student of the year. You can't do that. You can't do that. You are going to know the height, the breadth, the depth of Christ's love that surpasses knowledge? Yeah, uh uh-huh. I remember, I got to use this illustration. He ain't here and I can use it. Matt's standing there waiting to receive his bride and she comes walking through that door and she has to walk down this way and it comes down the aisle right there. Buddy, by the time she made that corner, we had a blubbling baby. That boy had become a basket case. And I'm sitting there going, we ain't going to get through this. This is going to take us forever. He's going to say vows and they're going to be... Maybe data interpret. (laughs) Could you interpret that? I think he said yes, right? But you see what I'm trying to get at? Why? That's love. But that ain't the love of Christ. The love of Christ makes us all blithering fools. 
What's really cool about it is you just live there. And why? That's His grace. That's His grace. And one last thing. Listen, this is His grace. And this is what He has done. Do you, you understand what I'm trying to say? This is past tense. He's not in the process of doing this. Tell Telestai, it is almost finished. No, it is finished. What part? All of it. That you literally as a child of God will only manifest Christ. And everybody will stand around going, whoa. And the angels are going, whoa. Okay, but some people will get mad at you. Because I got one other thing I want to show you. Because there's a second point here. What is it you do? Paul starts out chapter 4 with, Therefore I, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you. That's the New American Standard. Revised, edited, whatever translation I'm teaching out of. Literally means I'm begging you. You need to grab this. You need to understand this. He's saying, yo, I don't need you to be ignorant about this. I want you to understand this. You've got to get a hold of this. You need to take a bath in this. You need to let this thing meditate. You need this thing to turn. You need to hold on to this with everything you've got. And he says, what could a man are worthy of your calling? But I want you to drop down some a little bit, all right? Because in verse 8, he says, Verse 7. Verse 7 is where I want to go. Here's that word again. But to each one of us, what? Grace was given. I mean, I could just go right there and stop and say, duh. Duh. Grace was given. You know what that says again? Past tense. I have a friend of mine, bless his heart, he keeps saying, I just think I need more grace. And there's just a part of me just wants to Lovingly smack the stew out of him. Because I keep thinking, dude, walk in the grace you've got. Do you not understand? You've only got every blessing in the heavenlies. I mean, you know, good, he's got that thing. I need a wife. That ain't a blessing. But anyway, I'm going to press on here. Watch what it says here. Grace given. Now look what he says. According to the measure of Christ's gift. Here's what we miss in this text. We focus on the grace given. That's not the emphasis of the verb in the syntax of the Greek language. Okay? You know what the emphasis is? The measure of Christ's gift. Okay? We want to think about the grace. Why? We're the recipients of it. Okay? Here's what I want you to think about. The emphasis is on the measure of Christ's gift. Let me ask you a question. What part of Christ's gift did he withhold? And we all sit there real joyously like, right, and say, no, no, he didn't withhold anything. Okay, what was the limit of God's love, Christ's love? Now, there has to be. We all have boundaries and things that we put up, and I have to have this, you know, my space, your space thing, right? We've been taught it. That's right, isn't it? What is the limit of Christ's love? What was the limit of Christ's mercy? What is the limit of Christ's joy? What is the limit of Christ's peace? What is the limit of Christ's blessings? What is the limit of Christ's inheritance? What is the limit of Christ? There is none. There is none. Let me ask you a question. Does your life reflect that? 
Because he says to the each, look what it says. This just blows me away. To each of us, grace was given according to the measure of God's gift, Christ's gift. Do you know what he just said? According to who Christ is, he has given gifts. I don't want to deal with he ascended and led captives. I'm not, that's not the text. Look what he says in verse 11. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastor, and Anne shouldn't be there. Think about the church. The birth of the church was birthed on what? Apostles and prophets. Those would be the foundation. Chief cornerstone who? Jesus Christ. Foundations built on what? Apostles and prophets. Now then, I've got the foundation laid on this building. I want to build this bugger. I want to build this thing so the manifold wisdom of God is so evident that the angels sit there and go, Dude, how am I going to do it? Evangelist? What does evangelist do? Runs around, shares the gospel. He draws them into the kingdom. And they get into the kingdom, what happens? Pastor, teacher. In this translation, and many translations, has Anne in there. It should not be in there. Okay? There's no delineation. Why? Think about what he's talking about. He's talking about the bride of Christ, the church. And it should be, you can be a teacher and not be a pastor. It's impossible to be a pastor and not be a teacher. Okay? Grab that one, hold on to it. That's what the pastor's supposed to be doing. Why? Because the evangelist is bringing them in. Okay? So by the measure of Christ's gift, he gifted some apostles. Let's be realistic. This letter was written by the Apostle Paul. Was Paul gifted? <laughs> okay. You have eva- uh, the prophets. Agabus told Paul, says, you know what? The dude with the blanket belt around his legs is going down there and he ain't going to where he wants to be. Okay, why? It's the proclamation. God has come. All right? Look at what happens then, he says. Gave some to be these apostles and prophets. Why? Some as evangelists. Why? They're going to, they're going to have a fire to get people saved. And then you're going to have pastor, teacher. And he is going to take those people. Look what he's going to do. Where it comes next. For the equipping of what? Equipping you. Every single one of you for what? If your translation says the work of service, it should say ministry. What have we done? We have people that we say he's in full-time ministry and I what? That text right there says that if you're saved... What happens? You're in ministry. You can't be saved and not have a ministry. It's impossible. Flat out impossible. Now you can be saved and not be ministering. But what you're saying is everything I've just shown you, you don't care about. Now, I'm not interested in that. I don't care if I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. I don't care if I've been, uh, I am here to manifest the wisdom of God to the angelic host. I don't care about his, that I've been blessed by his grace and the resources of his grace. I don't care about any about that. And the only thing I can tell you is that you need to go back to 2, 8, 8 through 10 and get saved. 
because you're not saved. If you can read that text right there and it just doesn't make you want to jump right straight through the roof, you've got a problem. You have got a very serious problem. Look what else he says here because I want us to wrap this thing up. Look why we are working. Okay, the equipping of the saints for the work of service. Why? You see that? Whose responsibility is it for the building up of the body of Christ? Saints of God. But I've already shown you that that grace has already been given. You have that ability. Why? Remember what he said? You are his workmanship unto good deeds that he has already planned. He's already planned it. All right? And here is how he's doing it. This is what you do. This is what I do. Why? Because of what he's done. Because of what he's done, I do this. Why? It's an outpouring of what he's already done. I don't get up and go do it. Why? He has already done it. I am only the vehicle. Why? He's in working in the inner man so that I may know the height, the depth, the breadth of the love of Jesus Christ that surpasses all knowledge and I will only be in the fullness of God. And then he concludes that very thought with who will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could ever think or imagine. That's amazing stuff right there. And we go out and actually think we're going to go do this? You believe that you can say, I'll study my Bible and I'll go do this. No, you can't. Look what he says here. Until we attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Period. That's it. There is what we are about. Why? We want to take every single Christian, bring them to the maturity that they need to be so that there's an absolute unity in the body of Christ, and the angels will look at it and say, can you believe that? Can you believe that? Blind, naked, self-serving, self-centered, self-absorbed people, God literally conformed them into the image of Jesus Christ, and Jesus' prayer in John 17 says that they will be one, Father, as you and I are one. And God just did it in that group of people. And we sing... Amazing grace. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. It is according to the riches of his grace, which is according to the inheritance of his existence. You know what his inheritance is? All that exists is his. And you're a joint heir to that. That's grace, people. That's the love. That's what he says. Walk in this. Walk worthy. Why? Check it out. Read my book. Read my book. Why? You're saved. You literally have a position in the body of Christ that he has empowered you for and that you will fulfill in his power and his power only. And when I think about good deeds, I don't think about who gave to Red Cross. I don't think about driving down to New Orleans. I don't think about any of them things. You know what good deeds are? Pour yourself as a drink offering into one person. If he gives you only one, you pour yourself in that such a way that that heart is changed and that person only walks in the person and the privilege of Jesus Christ. You know what I call that? That's good deeds. That's good deeds. 
Investing in the eternal souls of men and women. That's good deeds. That's good deeds. Why? You and I are His workmanship. And He's given you everything that you will ever need. Right now. It's all yours. Let's pray. Father, give you the praise for your word. And Lord, I just pray that we understand what we've been blessed with. Father, that we understand the amazement of what you've done. Father, that we understand your grace. Father, that we can understand the love of Jesus. Father, we can understand that by the measure of his gift, he has gifted us. Father, we'll understand that He has given gifts to men and He has given gifted men to Your church. Father, let us bow before this awesome truth. Father, let us grab this with both hands. Hold firmly to it. And Father, what we have heard this day, Father, may that seed just grow and grow and grow as the mustard tree beyond what we can understand. Father, we beg you now to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ever think or imagine. And Father, that we give you the praise even now. Father, these difficult times. Father, we hurt. Father, we see hurt. We see suffering. And yet, my King, my Savior, your manifold wisdom through your people is being shown to the rulers in the heavenlies. Lord, thank you. In Christ's name, amen.